0: Hello and welcome to our ongoing series of conversations with people that are making a difference with how it is that we live our digital lives. Very fortunate today to catch up with Craig Martin. He's the managing director for the wealth and lending practice at J.D. Power. Craig, thank you so much for taking the time to chat with us today.
1: My pleasure. Thanks for having me today.
0: Well, so the topic today is really uh, understanding uh, the wealth management environment, Craig, especially in the context of digital transformation. And I'm I'm wondering if you can provide us with your take on the key competitive dynamics uh, that are shaping up and shaking out and the wealth management uh, arena in the context of uh, digital transformation.
1: Absolutely. It will be my pleasure. And I, I think the critical piece, you know, when J.D. Power is thinking about the competitive landscape always comes back to the customer. But there's a reason for that. There's some business dynamics. And as we think about, you know, as as companies are making decisions, making whether it's uh, investment decisions, new technology purchases, people, you know, Uh, systems, processes, they're going to to be considering a number of factors. But, you know, from J.D. Power's perspective, what's critical is always thinking about through the customer lens how those investments are going to be received, used, uh, and then how does that play out in business outcomes. Because in the end, the consumer determines whether you're successful or a failure. Their choice of uh investing with you, working with you, you know, buying whether it's buying your products uh you know giving you management rights over their uh their funds et cetera all those are gonna come into play, and so the the key to starting these any kind of these discussions around digital is really going back to the basics because Oftentimes, people get caught up in chasing new technology, and while technology is critical, you really need to understand what 's important for the customer, what doesn 't change because if you're uh, you, as you can imagine technology is changing so fast there 's so many new options, you have to really have be grounded in some foundations and stable elements so that 's where we tend to start, and there are five universals that uh, we have focused in on that we think are consistent over time. You can go back to them with regular frequency, and it really is is crucial and foundational to a great experience and great success long term in uh, any industry.
0: And so, what would those five elements be?
1: Absolutely. So, I, I think if we look at those, there are the the five that we focus in on uh, are going to be convenience, and and that's really about the concept of efficiency ease of doing business low effort there's a recognition element uh, where companies know you they appreciate who you are they're working with you and kind of personalizing to you uh, a third is going to be advice and that advice isn't you know in wealth management people always think about a financial advisor but in many respects this is recognizing where i need help what assistance i need and then addressing those needs in the context that the that those needs come up uh, the fourth, and uh, maybe, maybe the most important, uh, is trust. And, and trust can, uh, cut both ways, but trust really comes down to the belief that promises will be kept. Uh, they trust the situation. It's a consistency element. And so you really want to think about trust in a lot of different categories. Uh, and I think that's a, a critical piece. And then finally, value. So what's, uh, what's the perceived value, uh, for, for what I'm, you know, Paying you, and so that that comes in very uh, impactfully in the wealth management space. Uh, it, particularly as we think about what is technology doing for us today, what what capabilities are out there, and what kind of services do I get for the, the fees that I'm paying, uh, and, and it's a critical question as we go forward. So those five universals truly, from a customer experience standpoint, are consistent, and they certainly play a, a big part of uh, the the performance of different companies in wealth management space.
0: And so, from a uh, from an impact analysis, how can those uh, those variables be managed to ensure that people uh, in the wealth management business throughout the value chain are are, are able to manage those variables in today's digital environment?
1: Well, I, I think what you have to do is really go to the customer and think about how does the customer translate those, or how do they how, how do they you know, perceive those elements. So, you know, I'll, I'll use a simple example from another industry to, to paint this picture. You think about convenience and what is convenience? In the past, if you think about the the banking sector, uh, you know, a few years back, the height of convenience was an automatic teller machine. Uh, otherwise known as an ATM. So the idea that I didn't have to walk into a branch, but I could walk in, give a card to a machine, and it would hand me cash, and even got to the point where I could deposit checks, that was the height of convenience. Now the idea that I even have to leave my home or my desk uh, to deposit a check uh, seems almost uh, silly. So certainly, if you look at it from a customer standpoint, that's convenience And from a technology standpoint, clearly, you know the remote deposit capture concept of using your smartphone to to deposit a check is dramatically different technology than maybe what you've thought of from an ATM years and years ago. But they all equate to the same concept of convenience. You know, if we think about the wealth management space, there's a number of different uh, examples, but I I think particularly around where we are today with mobile and the expectations that particularly of uh, the active traders and people who are uh, using self-directed investor types, they're going to have a high expectation for uh, using mobile capabilities. And what we found in our self-directed study this year is that 50% of, uh, of consumers uh, in that study are using the mobile channel. I think what's concerning right now is that mobile satisfaction is actually much lower than traditional online satisfaction. So in that group, there are high expectations. And, you know, if we look at other sectors, you know, banking and credit card and, uh, you know, mortgage, people who are using mobile are actually more satisfied. And, you know, the fact that the wealth management industry is seeing greater gaps there between the online mobile and the reverse in that less satisfaction with that channel points to some some misalignment what is the customer looking for what kind of convenience what are those capabilities and so i think you know that diy customer has fairly high standards and it's critical that you know we can invest a lot of money, and, and uh, the, the the wealth management industry has invested a huge amount uh, into these capabilities. But the fact that the consumer is not responding in a, a, as positive manner as we would hope is really important, because that is is going to be a, a point of competition and differentiation going forward. How effective your your mobile capabilities are and how effective you can deliver those. And, and again, the online capability today is continuing to be kind of more beneficial or, or perceived more positively points to to some need, uh, you know, for evaluation and careful consideration. And again, that that's convenience. Mobile is convenience. Being at your home, making a trade or, uh, or acting, uh, you know, trying to research uh, is probably not what consumers are thinking of. They're at the ball game. They're you know on their way to work. Uh, you know, on the train, what have you? They want to be able to have. Uh, access, access and, and be able to take action anytime, any place using those capabilities.
0: Very interesting. So clearly a, a huge evolution uh, in the, the technology. Uh, what do you think about some of these other areas? I'm thinking about uh, artificial intelligence and some of these other digital engagement models that uh, have received uh, such breathless attention over the uh, digital transformation dialogue that's taking place in the financial services industry in general and wealth management in particular.
1: Yeah, I, I think those are are really important topics. And as you think about it, you always again I, I keep uh, you know encouraging folks to go back to. What I would call the core, which is what does the customer think? So, you know, using something like an artificial intelligence, you know, that, that they, that, that encompasses a number of different angles and, and areas. But if you think about something like recognition and you know your customer, you understand what they value and how they want to interact, then you can start using those new tools and capabilities like, uh, you know, the machine learning and understanding their behaviors and then delivering Communications and services and options and uh, and recommendations in alignment with their needs. So, so the technology is there to deliver that, but it's really critical to understand what does that customer want. You know, if we look at our full service investor study, if we look at communications and this combination of you know, how, where do you reach the highest level of satisfaction from an advised client and what we saw when we do our analysis is that probably not surprising the combination of high touch from an advisor consistent and regular communications combined with regular communications through digital channels leads to the optimal level of satisfaction but you know there are trade offs that are going to be made I and mean, that's why AI and other areas are so uh, you know so so kind of Top of mind for so many firms is they're trying to weigh the, the trade-off decisions that must be made. I, if I have a, you know 100 or 200 clients, the idea that I'm going to be calling them every day it, it just doesn't work. I, I can't. I don't have enough hours in the day. Uh, they're not available enough for us to have that level of interaction. So what we see in the data that's very interesting is that as you decrease that level of advisor contact, the right use of digital and, and kind of new technology capabilities allows us to actually decrease the, the kind of negative impact. So actually, uh, you know, there, there's a pretty meaningful decrease when we say you don't have the right level of contact with your advisor, but that is cut in half when you have the right level of digital interaction. So as you increase that digital interaction, it can greatly offset the negative perceptions that customers have. And particularly as you use AI and you learn what the customer wants and how they want it and the messages are tailored correctly, you really are recognizing them and their needs and their wants, uh, and it, it delivers a much better experience for the consumer uh and, and really you can think about and again making those trade off decisions, who are these critical customers, who are my up and coming customers, and really design your contact strategies, your communication plans, and then your, your corresponding investments and in technology to align with those.
0: Interesting. You know, the uh, the wealth management uh, sector uh, is, is, of course, a, a, a complex one uh, that is made up of several distribution channels. How is this digital transformation scenario playing out in terms of its impact on the different distribution channels that are out there to provide that great variety of, you know, high-touch white glove to, you know, the online, I think you mentioned the do-it-yourself sort of community? how are what are you seeing uh, from a movement perspective in though in in the in the distribution channel discussion
1: yeah and the distribution channels i mean you you are seeing more and more consumers you know looking for this uh, kind of blended model and and what we find so often is that you know people want to box consumers into and say that's what they want or they are they they like this channel or they are yeah, you know, they're going to work with this consumer, and so this this kind of goes to this concept of advice. Uh, and as you think about, you know, how are you going to to advise that consumer? How are you going to develop those relationships? And and how do you do that through the various channels and means that are out there? And and so you know, you're thinking about their satisfaction. You know, a, a young millennial who is early stages. Needs advice in a certain way. And so, so at that point, you know, how are you leveraging, you know, they're looking for kind of basic guidance. What's the market about? How do you deliver those education tools? And so, you know, they're looking for that and, and these KPIs that we see, um, in these studies actually show the impact of loyalty. So that, you know, one of the challenges so many are are struggling with is I've got these consumers and at this point, I want to engage them. They aren't willing to pay for an advisor, so I, that channel, that that distribution network, is not a right fit. At the same time, they need that level of advice. So, how do you use kind of new capabilities to advise them? And so, it, one of the things we we will see is that you know developing a strategy to meet people's goals um, during the onboarding process that can be done through what we call a kind of a blended environment so we in our in our do it yourself or our self-directed investor study there's actually two categories so we have DIY and seeking guidance so understanding that seeking guidance group that is you know potentially working with our uh, our wealth management firms that are are kind of do it yourself or in general uh, those capabilities and making sure those tools and education are there is critical because that's going to be a differentiator, and that's going to help transition people over their life stages. You know, if if I don't have enough funds and, and financial well-being at this point to be able to pay for a dedicated advisor, uh, I'm still making choices about my relationships early on. Um, and so, as we think about what advice do you provide, and who is open to that advice, and that, you know, that's always the the funny dynamics of this world is that. Those who are able to pay for this, frankly, have probably gotten to a point where they're less concerned about that advice. In many respects, they're looking for validation, they're looking for support. Those younger borrowers, you know, often people think of them as unengaged, not looking for information, not looking to talk to experts. They actually want that, Um, and so our data would point to this this uh, this need within the marketplace, you know, to to have these new channels and new capabilities, and that's where capabilities like robo-advisors come into play you know, that allow someone to think about their goals and their impacts there, and the advice that can be provided uh, through alternative means uh, while still developing the, the relationship that uh, the customer wants and then can drive towards kind of that value add down down the, the, the road in a full-service investor type of format. And I think that's the it, – it's – it's a blended world that we're living in, and we see people even starting to cross over and testing out the waters with robo advisors and others. Um, but as we we evolve, it's understanding kind of what are those needs, what is the advice model, how do we kind of reinforce those capabilities and the value that come through, and deliver the capabilities you know at a, at a price point and an investment point uh, that maximizes the, the business results.
0: Very interesting. You know, you talked about the demographics on the uh, on the customer side from both a borrower a, from a lending and a wealth management perspective. What about on the supply side? Are you finding that the uh, that the, uh, the 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 community, the providers themselves, are um, uh, are Uh, Embracing these new ways of engaging with both new markets if they're going after the millennials, uh, uh, as well as remaining in touch with the baby boomers and the Generation Xers?
1: Yeah, I I, I think if you look at the historical trends and where we've seen, uh, you know, the the advisors, you know, you've seen an evolution. So many of the, you know, a few years back, everyone, you know, kind of surmised that maybe the, the, you know, robo advisors, they've often been termed, uh, you know, we're going to take over. Um, and very clearly that has not happened. I mean, you know, we, we still see Merrill Lynch. We still see uh, certainly a, a number of these, uh, you know, traditional state brands and firms providing advice, continuing to, to manage uh, very large portions of the marketplace. So those haven't gone away. But you're starting to see those kind of robo capabilities being incorporated within business models. And I think. Probably some of the most obvious ones would be things like Charles Schwab, uh, Vanguard, uh, but certainly all all of the the major players are starting to embrace this new technology and these new capabilities. As you know, think about it from an advisor standpoint. You mentioned earlier that kind of frequency of contact, uh, the need to really, you know, convenience um and convenience can go both ways so if you think about it from an advisor's standpoint they want to have a convenient way to communicate consistent with their clients technology provides them a way to deliver information you think about you know whether it's video chat i can do you know a face-to-face meeting is something that takes a fair amount of my day to execute i've got you know and if someone's coming to my office you know, we're just going to spend a fair amount of time together, or if I have to go meet my client where they are, certainly travel time and all those other factors. Uh, we're now seeing the evolution where people are using technology like uh, you know, whether it's uh you know, assisted chat and other areas or video conferencing, Skype, et cetera, that allows them to interact uh and you know, they can go from meeting to meeting to meeting so they can execute a, a much higher proportion uh you know a, a higher level of engagement with a higher proportion of their book on a regular basis. At the same time, you know, it allows them to kind of share information and, and be more flexible and en- engaged with that consumer uh, than they have been traditionally. So I think you're seeing that. Obviously, there's a demographic shift um, in you know, the, the, the wealth management space, even in business model shifts. I mean, you, if you start going down the rabbit hole of technology, uh, we've seen uh, you know in, in the RA space uh, a major shift in kind of the, what investments are required to get the technology, uh, software as a service type of uh, avenues Allows people to, you know, change and shift their uh, how they are working and even their business model much more easily than they have before. So the traditional barriers have broken down, and so they they can you really focus on kind of what is is critical to them. I you know I mentioned trust earlier, and I think many times. If you look back, people in the business, one of their challenges uh, and why they've kind of moved away from some business models or or groups is they felt like they can't continue to execute the level they wanted to. They can't, you know, whether it's limitations or constriction on, you know, compliance and legal, but, you you know, Or it's requirements to, you know, what customers can you work with? What kind of size of portfolio do you need to keep? How big a client, how much wealth do they have to have before you can spend time with them? So from their standpoint, you know, their delivery of trust, keeping the promises. If they started working with someone years ago, you know, their ability to stay with that customer can be compromised. And so they're very much committed to that concept you know, if we look at what drives, you know, from a customer's vantage point, what drives their satisfaction, what's really impactful, a lot of that is around contact. Uh, And so I mentioned before, kind of these new methods of contact allow for greater flexibility, allow these uh, wealth management folks, the advisors, to increase their effectiveness in delivering that trust. I can communicate with you, you know, Luckily, we've had some very positive trends in the marketplace, but if you ask most wealth management folks, the time when financial advisors truly earn their keep is during downtimes. It's helping to provide that advisor perspective to, to calm fears, to communicate what's going on help folks stay the course understand their goals their strategy and we see all of those elements are critical you know timely response back answer questions on the same day returning calls the same day that that will go up dramatically when the market starts to fall you know the importance of that because i'm making that decision hey the market's down 500 points should i be selling that's a critical time and your ability to potentially use technology to go out and quickly send a message reassuring consumers, you know, an automated text, an automated email that goes out to consumers, a quick phone call to your key clients. You can now communicate more effectively, you know, and proactively, even when someone maybe is in the system trying to to click and change, uh, you know, their, their choices on their on their portfolio. You could actually advise them and deliver messages in a timely manner that that calm the fears and and really provide that trust and advice that they need.
0: Interesting. Well, you know, when things go down particularly dramatically, there's usually some sort of regulatory action that's likely to happen. Uh, You've talked about new technologies, uh, new asset classes, new demographic behaviors. How are you seeing the the regulatory environment factoring into this discussion in terms of – uh, managing uncertainty or or, or 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 navigating the changes that uh, that, that that could sometimes uh, come in an unexpected manner.
1: You know, I, I think this you you know the, the age-old kind of wisdom is that no one wins uh, in being compliant with regulations. That's that's not a winning combination. You know, I'm going to be the best at it, being compliant, but it's. It's a part of doing business. If you're not compliant, you may not be in business long-term, and certainly that's clear. Uh, Most, if you think about a recent example in the wealth management space that's really had a huge influence, and that would be the DOL uh, regulatory kind of uh, guidance that came out and didn't end up going into effect, but uh, has truly kind of played a a critical part uh, going into this uh this time and i think what we're seeing is that you know it, i i i just saw an article that came out and it was on in think advisor referencing Charles Schwab and and he he lamented the image of advisors as used car salesmen and and you know you the DOL rule focuses on you know kind of fiduciary responsibility and kind of what is the 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 fees um you know, environment. And I think this really goes back to, uh, you know, as you think about regulatory, you know, it, it was all driven by do customers understand the fees? Is it clear? Are they, you know, is, is there, you know, are they above board? And what we see is that, you know, in our data is it's very clear that regardless of kind of the regulatory piece of this, that consistency in communication, the clarity around fees is critical. And so, I, you know, again, you, you can argue around which regulation is coming next and try to chase that down. And, and often that, that's much like trying to chase the next great technology. It's often a, a, a fool's effort because there's always going to be a next regulation. You know, there's going to be a new, uh, you know, Someone in, new in office at some point in time, and they're going to have a different viewpoint, and they're going to make different changes. So, getting back to what does the customer want, and it, you know, if you are consistent and you know your business, and you know what's critical to your consumers and to your your staff, you know, you can really effectively address this. And you know, what we found, what I find interesting, you know, is we look at our self directed study, and there's. There's still a very clear lack of clarity for many consumers, so yeah, more than half indicated they didn't know the types of fees they paid or the type of fees that they they knew they know the type of fees, but they don't know the amounts so if you think about you know what's the value exchange and and the regulators are trying to force uh kind of uh, force feed that component to it is the customer should understand the value prop they should understand what they're paying for and what are they getting for that you know, as you look at what's going on there, those who are ahead of that game, who who are recognizing what the customer is demanding and wanting and who are more effective at delivering that, they don't have to worry as much. Obviously you have to be compliant. And that again that that's an element you cannot get away from, but if you think from a customer standpoint, what does the regulations mean for them? How does that play out in the day to day relationship with a consumer? And how do you stay ahead of that? because too often people get caught up in chasing and and kind of executing, and when it when that comes out to the customer if if your you know financial advisor is basically saying, "I don't really want to tell you this and I don't want to talk to you about this, but the regulators are making me versus my goal is to be as open and transparent with you as possible and to make sure you understand what's going on, and that's why I communicate these things very. You might be doing the exact same thing for the exact same reason, but the message that comes out to the consumer and the impact on the relationship and long term health and kind of value of the of the relationship can be dramatically changed and again that that's not yeah you 're going to have to deal with regulations and it's always going to be there compliance is is uh part of the financial services world and will always be as far as anyone knows but I think that's critical to be able to come back to that consistently and again. Foundationally, it's a value proposition. What do I, what do you get out of this relationship? What am I, you know, delivering honest and uh, honest answers? Do you trust me? Then at that point, the government's actions have limited impact on the customer's perceptions.
0: Outstanding. What a wonderful discussion, and helping us understand these key factors that I think we're going to have to return to: the technology issues, the changing nature of distribution channels, the the shifting demographics, and the and how we deal with asset classes and these regulatory changes. I think today we've laid the foundation for hopefully an ongoing discussion over the next uh, uh, weeks and months. Uh, thank you so much for helping J.D. Power uh, start this very important discussion, Craig, and I look forward to reaching out to you and your colleagues again to take this to the next level.
1: Wonderful. Thank you so much for your time today.
0: And we're out. Excellent. All right. Did you feel like you had the opportunity to make the key points that you wanted to make?
1: Yeah, yeah. I, I, I think that, that definitely worked. Um,